This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your own schooling. What, what kind of university did you attend? Oh, sure. I attended a State University of New York at Purchase, uh, which is in New York State. Michael Powell is a staff writer at The Atlantic, and he's proud of his public university roots. I'm obviously um, biased on these, and I believe very much in them. I mean, I think they're enormously important. There's something about this idea of a liberal arts education, and not just for the well-off. There are places where working class, middle class, poor kids have a chance at a truly grand education for uh, a price that doesn't, particularly today, uh, immiserate them for years to come. That's why his latest reporting takes on some new sweeping changes at West Virginia University. The state's flagship public school just wrapped up its fall semester last weekend. The university president, backed by the Board of Governors, recently cut 28 undergrad and graduate programs, along with more than 140 faculty positions. He says WVU should focus on practical majors. In other words, ones that lead directly to a job. I don't think there's anything unreasonable about that as part of your mission. They have a good nursing school. They have a good med school. You know, look, I get it. I mean, let's just, for argument's sake, West Virginia is a... You know, it's a poor state. It has very high rates of drug use, of diabetes, of emphysema. So, yeah, sure. I I understand you want to drill down on health education. I should note that they also cut some public health majors as well. But it seems to me that trying to game it, to kind of figure out, well, you know, this is what West Virginia is going to need for the next 25 years, and therefore we're going to drill down on that, seems a, a mugs game. It, it, it seems just very, there's a very high likelihood that you're going to guess wrong. Michael points to some examples, canceled classes that don't seem to make sense. World languages and linguistics stuck out. I mean, I think doing away with a, for instance, a math PhD program, the only math PhD program in the state of West Virginia um, and in a state where um, there is a critical shortage of math teachers, you know, struck me as just almost self-scarring as, a, as, a, as cuts go. West Virginia University is not alone. Lots of other public colleges are making cuts and changes in the face of deficits and declining enrollment. In the very old debate of whether a liberal arts degree is worth it, the answer from an increasing number of universities seems to be no. 
and look, it's not even just liberal arts. They've also cut um, courses, you know, math courses, hard science courses. But I think it's fair to say that the, you know, the axe has certainly fallen most heavily on, uh, on the liberal arts. Today on the show, the academic transformation of a public university and the protests that followed. I'm Yasmin Khan, in for Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So a few years ago, West Virginia University President Gordon Gee came up with this plan to implement major changes to the academics offered at the school. Can you tell me about him and his vision? Yeah, he's a, I mean, he's actually kind of a, fascinating character. He's almost certainly the longest serving president in the United States, albeit he's done it over like six different universities. I mean, he was president of Brown for two years. He was president of Vanderbilt for a number of years. Um, He was president of Ohio State twice. (laughs) Um, And now at 79, he came to West Virginia. Um, And, you know, he very much um, styles himself a kind of a, well, two things that are sometimes contradictory. One is a defender of land-grant universities, that is state universities, um, but also a visionary and, and, and a visionary who's willing to do what is needed to keep these places from becoming, um, you know, dinosaurs, from stumbling down a um a path towards extinction. So he came in about, I just want to get the timeline right. Sure. He came in at the very tail end of 2013. He had been kind of pushed out of Ohio State. Um, and, and and he had said at the time that he was retiring. But shortly thereafter, West Virginia had an opening. He agreed just to come in and and basically be the caretaker until they picked a new president. Uh, Shazam. <laughs> a couple months later, he was that new president. Uh, hmm. That was now 2014. And at the time, I mean, he's, he's always somewhat ebullient. Um, and he said, oh, you know, we're going to grow 
this great state university and an even greater institution. I'm going to hike enrollment from, I guess it was about 29,000 at the time to 40,000 within, I guess it was 10 years, nine years. We're going to add programs and we're going to do this and that and the other thing. But in fact, enrollment not only did not grow, it's decline. It went from 29,000 to about 27,000 and change today. You know, that was a a big fail. And then a few years ago, I guess maybe it started in 2020, he announced or decided that he was going to make cuts. He wanted to make major changes to the academic programs. What was his vision exactly? What was, and, and how did he justify it? When he announced it in 2020 that he wanted to do this academic transformation, he wanted to pull West Virginia, you know, into the next, um, you know, next stage of its existence. And he wanted to make sure that it was going to be at the forefront of, you know, public universities and all this sort of thing. He didn't really say, I mean, certainly didn't say, and I'm going to be cutting 30 majors. Um, He sort of, in, in, in a somewhat vague way, said, you know, we need to make some hard decisions. We need to kind of look at everything. Everything needs to be on the table, but he was not at all specific. But I think roughly speaking, his vision, you know, as much as possibly wanted programs that related deeply to the economy of West Virginia, to what West Virginia needed, and that we need to think of our customer and that is the student, for instance, I mean, like when he talks about world languages, the customer doesn't want to have required courses. So a number of different majors demanded two, four semesters of, say, a foreign language. He argues now that that is an onerous requirement. Guy initially suggested cutting 32 programs and 170 jobs. After weeks of protests and some bad press, the Board of Governors eventually approved cutting 28 programs and about 140 faculty positions. But some surprising majors still found themselves on the chopping block. World languages, notably, what was it, both recreation majors, which is a big deal in West Virginia. I mean, and, and, and again, one of those kind of baffling cuts because tourism and that sort of thing is a big deal. It's a beautiful state, the math PhD program, education uh, administration, again, kind of a somewhat baffling cut. I mean, they have trouble throughout West Virginia in holding teachers, administrators, and this sort of thing. They're always under, they're, they're facing cuts. It is a tough very often because of drug use and alcoholism and stuff. The need to keep people in some of those areas uh, and, and to keep producing people capable of filling those positions um, is a rather urgent one. In other cases, they made cuts but didn't entirely cut majors. So chemistry, English, literature cut a number of positions to the point that they did not have the staff this year to offer a course in Shakespeare. Um, so, you know, so it was a combination of completely doing away with majors and then um, cutting others to the point and, and adding to teaching loads um, such that students were going to get a quite diminished opportunity. So, I mean, the school is facing a $45 million deficit, one that Guy has contributed to. I guess. Yes. Um, 
Was he, was the president framing the cuts to humanities programs as a financial decision? Like, what was he saying, we can't afford all of this, so we have to make painful choices and make some cuts? This is one of the baffling things, because the answer is no. <laughs> Perhaps for reasons of ego, he does not want to admit that there was a deficit, because if he were to say that, then the question naturally arises, well, you know, you've been here for 10 years. He takes great pride in, in his prowess. I mean, always has. I mean, at every university, uh, his prowess as a fundraiser. So the question then becomes, well, why didn't you shoulder to the wheel and either convince wealthy donors to give you money or more to the point, go to the state legislature where he has by all accounts, good relationships, Republican state legislature and a Republican governor. The state has a 1.8, roughly a billion dollar surplus this year. That's remarkable. What's up with that? Yes. Go to go to Charleston and, you know, push to get some more money. I want to talk about some of the reaction on campus to these sweeping changes. Um, specifically, I want to hear about a student you met named Taylor DeLong. Tell me a little bit more about what Taylor told you. Yeah, Taylor was a is a, a wonderful young woman. And, um, you know, like a lot of young people when she came to college, particularly if you're first generation, you know, there is this kind of practical mindset. You know, I should do nursing, business, engineering. Actually, those are, that's sort of the holy trinity. It's tangible. It's something that you think, well, if I get out of here, I can... I can earn a living doing that. My wife is a nurse midwife, so I, you're, I, I'm not going to run down nursing. You know, I mean, those are all terrific things. But one of the great things, again, I think, about a university is you come there, and this is certainly Taylor's experience, is you come to the university, and all of a sudden you take a Shakespeare course. All of a sudden you take a Russian studies course. And things that you just hadn't thought of growing up in, as she did in Wyoming County, this very, very rural and poor county in Southern West Virginia, you know, all of a sudden these things become tangible and real and you find yourself thinking and, and your brain kind of going in directions that it hadn't gone before. Talking with her and a couple of the other students was very moving in that regard because um, you just saw that kind of excitement and also that pride in being a West Virginian. You know, like I'm a West Virginian, she would say, you know, and I can make some future I hadn't thought of three years earlier happen for me. I mean, some critics would argue that. A university's job is to set you up for a successful career, not necessarily to make your brain come afire. I'm wondering what you make of that. What is a university's job? Yeah, I guess I don't make much of that because I, I don't see how one can separate, how you can separate one from the other. If your brain comes afire, um, and if that, if, if that happens when you're studying philosophy, when you're studying puppetry, when you're studying, you know, higher level math, um, that's a wonderful thing. And it strikes me as likely to lead to a productive and interesting career in government work. Careers could be in 
the Peace Corps careers could be in, you know, Silicon Valley doing AI work, you know, because you were a linguistics major in Morgantown in 2025. After the break, WVU isn't the only state school to face a budget shortfall, but not all schools are making cuts like this either. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Humanities programs and just the, I guess, the idea of a liberal arts education or, you know, or the the value of a liberal arts education is being debated, even though it's surviving, I guess, out out of a lot of schools. And I'm wondering, how does what's happening at West Virginia fit into this national debate? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. And I think, it you know, there are hints in West Virginia of that. There was not an overt culture war going on uh, in West Virginia around these cuts. In other words, that's not, that's not the primary lens through which to see these. However, there are state legislators, Republicans, who have argued, well, you know, what do we need? Um you know, what do we need world languages for? What, you know, like, okay, Shakespeare, there's worse tragedies in life. And you'll hear digs taken at kind of, you know, in a way that that are familiar to the ear um, about, you know, liberal and left professors and this sort of thing in Morgantown and the nature of state university towns, you know, everywhere in the universe uh, tends to be bluer, uh, that is more democratic, more liberal, socially more liberal um, than much of West Virginia. So there's a little element of that. And I think that that, that also plays out Kansas, Iowa. I mean, you know, you could, you could find hints of that. Um, but I think that in Kentucky, for instance, actually in Arkansas, for instance, governors, school presidents have you know, really argued their case for why it should be the pride of this state, not simply that we have a great basketball team, but that we have a great state university system. And one of the baffling aspects to Gordon Gee's uh, approach is that he is a good salesman. I mean, he's, 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 you know, absolutely good conversationalist. Like, so take your case out there. WVU President Gordon Gee has said public education is at a crossroads and that soon every state school will need to make the kinds of cuts he has. Michael is skeptical, 
and Arkansas and Kentucky are part of the reason why. When I looked at next door, University of Kentucky, yes, it's a bigger state. It has some urban centers in a way that West Virginia does not. But, you know, when you look at median income, when you look at uh, age, I mean, you know, a lot of these things, it's, it's a not dissimilar place. Same thing when I looked a little further afield at the University of Arkansas, also Republican states. And these are places where they've expanded. Enrollment is booming at both places. They have the math PhD programs. They have the world language programs, They all of that. And then, of course, they have business and nursing and med schools and all this kind of stuff. So it's if he is Nostradamus and he, and he has a vision of the future, um, it's not clear to me um, that that's going to come to pass or that it has to come to pass. You listed uh, some universities that are doing well, um, but there are a lot of public schools that are not. Penn State, also a flagship university, faces a $63 million budget deficit. And this is all happening as states you know, cut funding to public universities. Do you think these kinds of schools are going to be more and more dependent on tuition fees? Yes, and that's a great problem, right? I mean, actually, I believe the decided majority of st- State flagship universities um, are expanding, not contracting right now. But, but also a majority of state university systems um, are seeing declining and in some cases rapidly declining state allocations. And that's problematic too, because overall there's declining enrollment in college. Yes, though here. A number of public university presidents that argue, I think, I think persuasively that state universities, public state universities are uniquely well positioned to survive that enrollment uh, cliff precisely because they cost less. You know, tuition um, has gone up well over the rate of inflation for publics as well as privates, but the fact is that, you know, you look at a lot of these good, small liberal arts schools, for instance, that are in all kinds of trouble now. I mean, they, you know, and, and, and they are, there are many dozens of them. And that's terrible and sad. And I, and, and I mean that. Um, but, you know, the problem is that their tuition $65,000 a year, $60,000 a year, and they may have a th- small endowment as well. Um, a state university system in a sense, is well positioned on that landscape. Because you can say, look, you know, you could either go to four good little liberal arts schools, right? Or just four good private colleges. Or you could come to College Park in Maryland, or you could come to Binghamton in New York, or you could come to Morgantown in West Virginia, and you can get a really good education at, relatively speaking, a fraction of that cost. So I don't see it as a given, even within a recessionary environment for enrollment, that state university systems face inevitable decline. What's the mood? Do you, do you know? I don't know if you've kept tabs on West Virginia University, but what's the mood as students wrap up the semester? It's sad. Uh, and I have stayed in touch. Um, I was really struck by 
the eloquence in the sense that I'm probably in particular kind of upper, um, you know, third and fourth year students are aware of what their opportunity has been there. And they're seeing those classes start to disappear. They're seeing professors beginning to pick up and leave. One woman, you know, talked about coming there and she had come from um, an elite university uh, had intended to work at an elite university. A job fell through at the last moment for, you know, an Ivy League schools. She's in her 30s and she had taken a, a job at West Virginia. And over the course of the last eight years, you know, had just fallen in love with it and with the students and with their hunger. My strong suspicion is that she will land, you know, somewhere fine but as she says you know aside from the dislocation of moving her family and all of that there's this real sadness that like this as she put it this was a place where education really mattered where what she did really mattered michael thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it oh sure it's been great talking with you Michael Powell is a staff writer at The Atlantic. That's the show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, and Madeline Ducharme. We're led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Yasmin Khan, in for Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.